0: You can't handle the truth!
1: Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself!
0: <laughs> You're going to need a bigger boat.
1: Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about my Club. Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Today's episode, exciting news, exciting development, I guess. We uh, have decided to call this segment, Real Talk. Real Talk! The big reveal. It's a... Bum, the, bum, needs theme music or something. I'll find some theme music. Nice. Uh, the reviews of the... New and improved podcast format. Have been positive. The inaugural. Inaugural. Yeah. inaugural, 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 inaugural. not sure. <laughs> inaugural. We're gonna need to figure out the pronunciation of that word before we get any further. But <laughs> uh, no, it's been uh, it's been positive mostly. I was actually kind of expecting um, not backlash per se, but. You know, the main people who are going to be giving us feedback on this are people who listen to the podcast. And mm-hmm. if they listen to the podcast, presumably they kind of like the way it is already. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting some negative uh, feedback, but it's been positive, I right. think. It's been overwhelmingly positive. Which just makes me wonder, did you guys just hate us this whole time? Yes. We are just like, oh, this is so boring. I'm going to listen to them because they're my friends. God. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> Much. Well, no, it's been good, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna divide uh, episodes henceforth into real talk and then our movie review. Going that's, forward That's is right. what I'm what I'm hearing. Yeah,
0: and it's been uh, it, it's uh,
1: a fair chunk more work for me. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's about time you did something around here. You know, I I'm agree. just <laughs> sick and tired of uh, carrying your lifeless corpse. Or I know here. it's been it's been it's really tough riding your coattails. that's right. <laughs> Yeah, as if you weren't doing enough for uh, for all of this. Now you got more editing to do. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Fun decide times. to do this. decide to add in audio clips. It's been so fun. Yeah. Well, on the bright side, you're only working what, well, like three jobs right now, so you should have plenty of time for it. Yeah, I really, I really <laughs> am working three jobs right now. Fun times. Well, Manny, uh, where do we where do we start today? Well, uh,
0: thankfully, we uh, don't have an in memoriam to do. Nobody, nobody died this week. No, nobody. Of note,
1: died? health officials are stunned. <laughs> yes, worldwide death has, has screeched to a halt.
0: What would happen if nobody died for a week?
1: There's got to be a movie. There's a TV show about that, right? Is there? I think there's a TV where show. People don't die. Where like that people ju- like people opposite. just stop dying. What? I think so. If you're listening to this, like I I haven't actually seen this. I'm pretty sure there's a TV show based on that plot where like all of a sudden like the world like death just stops and people are confused. I might be making this up. If there's not a TV show about this, we are absolutely writing a screenplay about it, but, but I'm pretty sure it's like a Stephen King adaptation. Oh, with or all something. my free time. I yeah. Have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And all of my free time. Mm-hmm. All of our free time that we have. <sighs> uh, yeah, okay. if, if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, please please reach out, because I will probably lose sleep over this. Uh, I won't. <laughs> uh, so yeah,
0: so no MMORM this week. So our real talk will be... Uh, Actually, probably pretty short, depending on how in-depth we get into what we've been watching. But we also usually uh, save this part of the show to uh, answer our Spotify question of the week. But seeing as that we have a new format where our movie review, and that's where the weekly question is attached, we don't have a question because it uh, would have been released today as we record this episode. So I'm going to propose a weekly question Uh outside of the one on Spotify. Oh,
1: it so, might be a good, I'm just going to throw this out there live to you on air. It might be a good idea to ask a question here in this part of the segment and then allow people to answer it and submit answers as the Spotify question. Does that make sense? <laughs> Somewhat. Somewhat. We can talk about it after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For now we can go with what, uh, what we've planned here. All right. So I just decided to go with, uh, a, a question I posted
0: on our, uh, social media on our uh, sam underscore manny underscore movie uh instagram account that's right the question is uh what's your favorite ridley scott film now on social media i actually had uh parameters parameters you know, yes you were not allowed to answer alien or blade
1: runner oh that's easy so uh but well, what is your favorite Ridley Scott film I think my favorite Ridley Scott film is same but is the same both with those parameters and without them okay I think it's gladiator either way really I think so awesome Gladiator's a wicked movie um I you'll recall from one of the first episodes we ever did I don't know the exact number but it would have been single digits I want to say like episode five or something sweet Jiminy Crickets we did Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 we did and uh Blade Runner like good not great Blade Runner 2049 is is the superior film, which is probably controversial. Did we rank those? Did we give ratings at that point? We I don't must. know if we gave ratings, but I think we said which we liked better. Oh, I, I, think, kn- I think I think we both it... said 2049. Yeah,
0: uh, Blade, I, I'm, I'm a, f- I like Blade Runner. I think it's a visually stunning film, mm-hmm. but it's not overly entertaining. It's also got a great score. It does have a great score. It just has a really, basically, for me, Blade Runner has a great ending. Mm -hmm. Like that last scene uh, with Rucker Hauer is phenomenal. Yeah. And the rest of it is fine. Yeah. It's pretty good. Blade Runner 2049 is a masterpiece.
1: Uh, I had a couple other candidates. Alien obviously being one of them. Okay. Uh, The only other two that were really in contention for me were Thelma and Louise. Nice. And uh, The Martian. The Martian is my answer. Oh, okay.
0: Yes. Uh, Alien would be number two for me.
1: Hmm. I'm surprised at that, actually. I thought Alien would be number one for sure for you. So did
0: I. But I've really started to... The Martian is becoming one of my comfort movies. Hmm. When I'm like, I just want to put something on. Uh, I, I go to The Martian often. To the point where I'm like, I need to not pick The Martian. I have another comfort movie that's really fucked up. Like it, It's kind of fucked up that it's a comfort movie. But every time I watch it, it's so fucking good. It just kind of puts me at ease. But I,
1: it's disturbing. What is it? Spotlight. I don't think that's disturbing. Okay. I mean, I can see why you think it's weird that, like, a movie about unveiling (laughs) the largest sex abuse scandal in human history, uh, why that would be disconcerting. But, I don't know. It's about, it's procedural. Like you said, there's, there is a, yeah, fuck, another procedural. Yeah, there's a comfort in, like, the fact that there's, like, this evil thing that happened and devoted people uncovered it based on pure willpower and force of good. There's this, there's this like comfort in knowing that. I, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Yeah, I enjoy that one more every time I see it. Mm-hmm. The Martian does not feel like a comfort movie to me. It feels like very stressful, <laughs> very stressful. And the parts that aren't stressful is all talking about like the types of chemicals that are in your poop. Like, talking about, like, manganese levels and shit like that, I can't remember exactly how it goes. But, yeah, it just does not feel like a comfort movie to me. But teach their own. I, I also really like The Martian. All right. Also very good movie. Cool. All right. Uh, so that's, uh, that's our, our question of the
0: week. Uh, let's get into, I guess, the big part of, of
1: real talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam,
0: what have you been watching?
1: Right. So I got four that I was watching this week. Uh, I'm excited to talk about all these. We'll start... Uh, We'll start at the beginning, where it makes sense to. Uh, I re-watched, re-watched, I've probably seen this three or four times now, if not more, uh, 2012's The Hunger Games. Okay. Uh, Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes her younger sister's place in The Hunger Games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Panem are chosen at random to fight to the death. Uh, these books came out while I was in high school, and I was an avid reader of them. Oh. Uh, this... <laughs> this movie uh, was largely anticipated by both myself and a number of my friends at the time. Okay, um, I remember both being satisfied and a little bit underwhelmed, as is often the case with book adaptations, especially, it seems, in the young adult genre. Uh, as it turns out, unfortunately, uh, there's just so much under the surface that is impossible to translate to the screen. Books and films are just two vastly different forms of media Mm -hmm. with two different strengths. One of the strengths of print that film, I think that film to uh, (laughs) that book to film adaptations often struggle with is uh, trying to communicate what's on the inside. It's why actors who are able to show you what's going on inside them without saying anything are such a rare breed and such a commodity in Mm -hmm. film. Uh, and I think there's so much richness and backstory in the hunger games novels that just really fails to communicate to the screen. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of the world building is still good, but, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the emotions behind it that make the relationships work are kind of taken for granted that people are just kind of kind of read between the lines and figure it out. Um, In particular, there's this love triangle between uh, Katniss, played by Jennifer Lawrence, and uh, her two uh, male love interests, Gail and Peeta. And it just really doesn't translate on the big screen. It's very uninteresting, whereas she does have valid reasons to uh, love and respect both these men in the books. It really just doesn't translate to the screen. So um, I find that aspect of it disappointing. I still really think that the direction of this movie is actually really good. It's directed by Gary Ross. Hmm. Um, Seabiscuit. Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) Um, I really like uh, how when we get in the arena, it's a lot more handheld, a lot more intimate, a lot more frantic. Uh, It really captures the brutality of it well. Even though this is a young adult series, uh, the violence is treated with a lot of maturity, and I think it's better for it. This inspired an entire generation of young girls to learn how to use a bow and arrow (laughs) and to wear their hair in a braid. Uh, The cultural impact of these films cannot be understated. I... Had mostly a good time, but also was left feeling a little bit disappointed. Uh, on previous watches, this probably would have been a four. I gave it a three this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, draw. Uh, you've, uh, you've seen these movies, haven't you? Or? Movies? No. Movie, yes. Movie, yes. I've seen the first one. That's it. First one? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that's a nice transition because I'm probably now going to attempt to sell you on uh, the second installment in the series, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Okay. Uh, Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malark become targets of the Capitol after their victory in the 74th Hunger Games sparks a rebellion in the district of Panem. So spoiler alert for the first Hunger Games, I guess <laughs> uh, they win. Um, this film, I think, is a lot stronger of an entry, and it seems that I'm not alone in thinking that since the meta score is approximately eight points higher got a 76 versus a 68. Um, Mm. This film really leans into the dystopia of it all. And we actually spend a lot more time out of the arena than in it in Catching Fire. We spend a lot more time focusing on the characters, focusing on the ramifications of the events of the first film, the effect that it has on the entirety of uh, their world. Um, Whereas the world building in the first film is okay, we really begin to see the sparks of a revolution uh, begin to ignite in this one. And it's all perfectly, um, uh, it's all reasonable. You can see the dominoes kind of fall. Um, It's, it would be easy to just uh, as a, as a screenwriter take for granted. Okay. Eventually there's going to be a revolution. People are going to get pissed off, but showing specifically what events lead to people being pissed off. um, You, they show that really well. And they, the movie is far better for spending a lot of time in particular in the poor districts in these movies, um, spending time with the poor downtrodden people who are just fucking fed up of being stepped on. Um, so yeah, I, I think catching fire is a, is a far stronger installment than the hunger games. I gave it, I gave it a four Mm -hmm. again this time around. Um, so I would encourage you to watch at least this one. I've actually only seen, (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, the next two films I'm going to talk about are not the hunger games films. I didn't watch all four of them this week. Um, but i think i've seen mocking jay part 1 and i don't think i've seen mocking jay part 2 even though i've read the book wow yeah i know i'm a fake fan yeah I, but i i heard honestly mocking jay was just kind of so-so okay so i never really never really went back to it but uh yeah i really enjoyed both the book catching fire and and the movie um do you see yourself ever maybe going back to these at any point not particularly <laughs>
0: when we get to those years yeah maybe Unless so, a I'm, decade down the line, yeah,
1: I, I, I d- uh, This isn't burning a hole in my cinematic watch list, uh. no. Um, I, okay, I'll give you a many reason for watching them. I, I don't think this is going to sell you on watching them before that, but a reason why you might be interested A in both the first and second Hunger Games films. A delicious role, supporting role. Um, he's not in the movie a lot. Oh, oh are we talking about a Touch of the Two? He, he's not in it a lot, he's just in it a touch. Well, I said in the first one. <laughs> Yeah, the second film he—that is, a, I was also add, great. That, that is a selling point. No, Stanley Tucci in these movies is great because Tucci is great in he's fucking great in everything. everything. <laughs> he's becoming one of these people for me. We're just like, just by nature of his face being on the screen, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be fun. There's is a,
0: there is Stanley Tucci in any of the Transformer movies?
1: Yes. Yeah, he's in the piece of shit fourth one. Okay, that I uh, that I saw in theaters okay. and have cited as probably the worst movie I've ever paid to. Have I've is ever paid dark, money to watch. Is that of the Moon? Who fucking cares? It's, just <laughs> <Revenge> <laughs> uh, it's uh, hold on. It is... I've m- seen one, two. I, I've seen the first three. Age of Extinction? Okay. Age of Extinction. Whatever. I, I don't fucking care. I honestly can't remember. I'm
0: honestly unsure if I've seen the Transformer with him in it.
1: Transformers 4 is the first one with Mark Wahlberg in it. Oh, and it is? Yeah, I just confirmed Stanley Tucci is in it. I did okay. erase that part then from my memory. But I, I haven't seen it. And also another actor I kind of hate is uh, T.J. Miller is in that as well. Oh, Remember is him? he
0: kind of a douchey doucherson?
1: Yeah, like in real life and in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the comic relief character, and he is
0: not funny. He's slightly enjoyable in Deadpool. Yeah.
1: Picture that, but PG. Um. And uh, with worse, ri- worse writers. <laughs> yeah, with Michael Bay writing the comedy. I mean, I don't know if he has a writing credit. At oh, all, but you I, get what I'm saying. He does not have a writing yeah. credit. You get what I'm saying. No, I do. His style of comedy. Anyway, uh, so that is uh that was that as far as uh, the two Hunger Games installments that I watched. Uh, one of the one-, one of the ones I know, Manny's excited. Here to, talk we to him about. <laughs> Here we fucking go. Here uh, we fucking go. I hope you start with the right one. 2020's Shiva Baby. That's the right one. <laughs> Because I, I want to end with the other one. At a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a college student runs into her sugar daddy and an ex-girlfriend. I Can I? Yep, go ahead. Is that the end of the plot? Yep. What made you watch this? Uh, I wanted to. Okay. Uh, I wanted to watch this. Emma had seen it before. and You'd seen this before? Emma had seen it before. Oh. So uh, she watched it and said she liked it. Uh, and then, of course, it got good reviews in the Manny Movie Club. Yeah. Uh, so it had kind of been on my list for like a little almost, bit. Like rapturous, actually. Yeah, like I think like pretty much fours across the board. Yeah, uh, so and on top of that, it's hour seventeen. And when I see hour seventeen minute watch time, the same thought usually crosses my mind, which is, oh, what an easy watch. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what crosses my mind when I see, when I see, oh, hour seventeen. This will be easy to watch. This was a chore in all the best ways. My Letterbox Review said that this this was torture. This was torturous to watch. It is supremely uncomfortable uh, but like in a good way (laughs) it's intentionally uncomfortable it is
0: unbelievably uncomfortable yeah
1: and even
0: more enjoyable because of it
1: yeah and it's it works because that's what it's trying to be yes um just this sheer (laughs) the way that the movie communicates like guilt and shame and i don't uh, and embarrassment and panic panic yeah panic i i said in the movie chat after i watched it this is what a panic attack feels like i i feel like i'm having a panic attack watching this movie yes uh watching the people around her like many of the scenes are just constructed like this two people in the scene hold a secret and a third person has no idea how dangerously close they are to uncovering it. (laughs) (laughs) That is the structure of, like, every scene in this movie. And it just... (laughs) And it just puts my heart into my fucking chest, and it it, uh, it works. It it works completely well. It's super effective. The uh, the acting from uh, Rachel Senate is uh, is uh, fantastic, phenomenal. She is just all of a sudden in everything this year. Uh, she was in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I oh, was she? I think so. Uh, okay. I think that was her. off to double check that. And then uh, she was in um, what's the one you just watched? Bottoms. Bottoms. Thank you. Um, and she was in that as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just feels like she's just kind of all of a sudden in everything. And uh, she's doing great. I think uh, she's. I've liked her and everything she's in so far. Um, Yeah, this movie is so well written and well shot. It's a small little intimate budget. All of the scenes basically are just conversations. It's just conversations shot in close-ups. And it's an hour and 17 minutes long. And it's one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life. And I gave it a four because it's so good. It's so fucking good. (laughs) I cannot recommend this movie enough to people. Like, It is so good.
0: I had such a great time. I don't know. I w- I went into this pretty like hesitant. I had heard good things. But I-, I don't know. I just had this feeling. I'm like, I have a feeling like I'm not really going to enjoy this movie. And thankfully, I was dead fucking wrong. I had a fucking blast. I laughed. I cringed. I watched part of the movie with, between the fing- between my my fingers because mm-hmm. I was terrified of what was going to happen. Yeah, your analogy of there's two people in the scene, they have a secret, and the third person scene is almost close to getting the secret, <laughs> absolutely fucking brilliant. The writing in this film is absolutely spectacular. Rachel Sennett is awesome. I don't know the actress's name, but she will forever be AAA to me, so she's in it. Right, of course. I, yeah. I was so excited to see her. Uh, Molly Gordon. Yeah. Molly Gordon is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a great time with Shiva Baby, and I really implore anybody who hasn't seen it to definitely give it a watch. Like I said, it's under an hour and 20 minutes long, and it is one of the most harrowing yet thoroughly enjoyable movies you will watch this year for sure.
1: Uh, a couple more shout outs in on this one, real quick. I was trying to figure out where I knew. Uh, the father from in this movie. Mm. Uh, and I, I was trying to figure it out. I just saw now he's uh, the character Cy Abelman in A Serious Man. Uh, okay. Have you ever seen that one? It's a like Coen Brothers 2009. Nope. Uh, really, really good. Uh, also kind of about the Jewish community. <laughs> and uh, he's he's very good in it. Uh, and then also Polly Draper. I don't think I do know from anything, but she's the mom and I thought she was fucking excellent. She's, phenomenal. she's very sweet, very, very kind lady for the most part but also just a little bit of your stereotypical uh jewish mother when are you gonna get married when are you gonna get engaged when are you gonna figure out your major when you (laughs) that sort of high pressure stuff uh yeah so everybody in this movie is doing fantastic work and including the director uh for sure okay here we go
0: here we fucking go people
1: the film in 2023, with a 94 metascore, that is getting all sorts of buzz. Holy fuck. All sorts. I had heard so much about this, and I was really excited to give it a watch. Uh, this is Past Lives. Uh, Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rested apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Uh... This, this is one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a long time. You're
0: goddamn right. It is,
1: first of all, absolutely stunning to look at. Uh, every shot is so careful and so well thought out and so intimate and so beautiful. There's so many just beautiful shots in this movie, and they all, uh, they're all so communicative. Like I, I. I uh, I'm thinking of one example off the top of my head. I mean, there were so many in the moment, and now I can't remember any of them. But, like, you have two characters who are um, kind of forming a relationship, forming the beginnings of a relationship uh, on the internet, like via Skype, mm-hmm. mostly. And they're slowly figuring out via montage just how hard that is. And they're even though they love each other, they're feeling increasingly distant with every phone call. And in a montage, sort of every cut... Their faces are more and more obscured by objects. Like, there's like, uh, they'll be obscured by a window and the reflection in a window. Then you cut to the next person and they're in the dark, kind of, and you can't really see their face illuminate. Like, there's stuff like that where the shot choices not only look great, but they're kind of communicating something about how the character feels on the inside. And it's not like one or two shots, it's like every shot in the movie is just so careful and beautiful. I can't think of another better word to think of than that and it's just very careful um i thought it was uh outstanding to look at i thought the (laughs) the writing of the love story was so fucking good um the film is essentially uh i don't know how much i can say about it without getting into spoilers oh we're spoiling this fucking movie because i want to fucking talk about it okay um i guess spoilers for past lives i'll tell you right now i gave it a five okay uh manny i think you gave it a, a four, four it's gonna, probably it, gonna be a five uh, it's 100 percent gonna be five when i watch yeah, it again so, i've
0: it has been three weeks since i've
1: watched this movie mm-hmm. i still can't stop thinking about it so probably skip ahead if you haven't seen past lives because manny and i both really want to talk about it and i would really go at least it. five to ten minutes if yep. you don't want past lives spoiled and i'm begging you don't let us spoil this it's movie on for you. what prime right now i think prime is it it's available now it might be for rents or it's something. For, uh, I watch it. Rent. I definitely watch it on, on streaming, like or on uh well, on my Amazon Fire Stick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's for rent on Prime for like five bucks. It's for
0: rental. It's yeah. not it's not streaming. Even yet.
1: so, you know, worth the five bucks. I happily paid it. Um so yeah, uh definitely go see past lives, you're about to spoil it. So here we go. Um I guess I just wanted to start by saying that the structure of this film is kinda simple. Uh it's essentially just a love triangle. Yep. It's it's really just a love triangle, who's she gonna choose um, and I—it's the, the specifics of it and the execution of it that make it so special. I love that nobody is the bad guy. Yep, that is one hundred percent correct. I personally don't blame Hei Sung for coming across the world to come see this woman that he's in love with. Yep, I don't blame Nora for feeling trapped in a long marriage and feeling a little drawn to this young man who she views as a, a bit of a missed opportunity or a missed connection. It's the love of her life. childhood Yeah. It's the love of her life. And I don't blame her current husband for both wanting her to be happy and feeling conflicted that he knows the love of his life is in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And none of them are portrayed as the bad guy, nope. which I love. I love that. They're all wrestling with these very complicated, very real emotions and uh, none of them are painted as the bad guy. It's all just some. It's all just something that they all have to deal with. And I think it's so sweet. <laughs> and uh, the the acting from from all of our leads. Uh, Greta Lee sells be-
0: it. better get a fucking nomination.
1: Yeah. I
0: don't know if <laughs> Tao Yu, who played Hee Sung, mm-hmm. is going to be able to make it in, in probably a pretty competitive field. Mm-hmm. But if Greta Lee does not get nominated, I will fucking be livid.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have much more to say. Uh, if you have anything you want to hop in on, you go You're right ahead. Fucking rights, I do because I finally get to talk to somebody face to face about this movie. Yeah.
0: This movie is so delicious and absolutely eloquent in the way it tells its story. This is Celine Song's first film. Whoa, first
1: film, absolutely. Breathtaking. Stepped into the batter's box and hit it out of the fucking park. Yep. man.
0: Thank you for adding yourself to a list of filmmakers that I now need to watch every single time. Uh-huh. This was so. This just gave me such a incredibly great feeling uh, about love, about missed opportunities. Everything you said, like it is a beautiful film that I will be watching on a consistent basis. The acting from everybody is so great, but. You mentioned so many great shots. I actually didn't really notice as many great shots, but I what I loved is how softly the camera moves through scenes. Mm-hmm. It moves so just softly. It's never intrusive and it's never flashy, but it moves a lot, and I love that. And I can't heap enough praise on the final scene of the film, mm-hmm. the fucking one shot of them walking down the sidewalk in silence. In silence. They get to where he's getting picked up by his Uber. It stays in one take. It stays in one take until they have the final conversation where then you get coverage. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to the same shot of the sidewalk as she walks back to her apartment. And he's waiting there and opens the gate. And their life, the the rest of their life begins. It is beautiful. It it left me... in all honesty, I, I can't remember if I was crying or not or just this complete euphoria washing over me of joy and sorrow and the idea of missed opportunities. This movie is – as of right now, this is the movie I'm rooting for to win Best Picture. For sure. Like I, I, I'm hoping – that this can overtake something like Killers of the Flower Moon or most likely Oppenheimer is probably what's going to get the big push because everyone's going to want Nolan to get his Oscar. You don't
1: think Barbie's going to get nominated? Oh, Barbie's going to get nominated. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's going to win. No.
0: Greta will get nominated. I would like... like we a Greta and Celine Song for Best Director in there. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the Oscars fucking seize that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Gerwig, Celine Song, probably Scorsese, Nolan... And I don't know who the fifth will be right now, off the top of my head. Yeah, it's probably going to be, whatever. I, I I don't care. Those four for me will be great. Um, I, I was gonna. I'm, I'm just trying to think of lead actress performances that
1: are better than this. Well, Margot, Margot Robbie's Robbie. going to be nominated. Uh, who else? We had somebody else. Um, oh, um, sorry, the actress from *Killers of the Flower Moon*. That's not lead. Oh, that's not lead performance. You don't think? it's not her story it's his okay
0: I could see it being uh, if it is if she is in lead I'm gonna be heartbroken because I don't know who I'll cheer f- I don't know who I'll cheer for
1: hmm.
0: yeah um, I love this movie <laughs> I love this movie mm-hmm. and the more the more I think about it and the more I talk about it the more I want to watch it again. And I can't wait to add this movie into my library. Uh, I had an absolute great time, and as of right now, yeah, this is my, this is my hope for winning Best Picture.
1: I already, I already want to rewatch this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised honestly to hear you say you didn't. Uh... Like I, I thought this was worthy of a cinematography nomination. Like I thought this was a breathtakingly gorgeous movie. To oh, I, I think it was great. Yeah. But I,
0: you, you were singling out shots. Oh, yeah. I remember okay. like loving the cinematography, yeah. but I can't think of any shots where I'm like, oh, that was. Yeah. I, I can't. My, mm-hmm. my feelings on the movie were about the way it made me feel. Yeah. Not the, not the visuals. Not saying the visuals were bad. I remember being impressed. Yeah. But I think I was just so overwhelmed by the emotions I felt mm-hmm. from this movie that. The cinematography, except for the camera movements, there wasn't any shots that I can think of right now that were,
1: like, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. But I-, I guarantee you there are some. Yeah. I- there was, uh, well, at least uh, the trailer actually is playing on the IMDb page in front of me right now. The shot of them as kids going on their separate paths, like being silent for the first, having their little silent goodbye the first time. Mm-hmm. The shot of her going up the staircase. And, and him up him, the road. Yeah, is uh, is a great one, I think um and then also there's a shot of them walking together in the park where they're not in frame and uh the or maybe they are in frame i can't honestly remember but they're very far away and the camera just kind of lingers and drifts towards the spot in the path where they're going to be and it kind of meets them Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking the shots like the look of the park is beautiful anyway like i i agree that this movie being um being gorgeous is not what made me give it a five. It definitely is the love story, but I, I did also just at just want to point out that I love uh, I love the look of it. Um, yeah, the the final fifteen. I think you said in your review on uh, when you posted in the movie chat or maybe when you post on Letterboxd that this was this was already very good, and then the last fifteen minutes happened and it's it's mind blowing. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I just don't feel like I've had a movie tell me this about love. Love has been communicated in art how many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of times in the history of humanity. And I don't, I feel like the things that this film was saying about art, I've never had an artist say to me. I've never had it communicated to me in art before. I it's, it's hard to say something fresh about the oldest topic in art in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like it did. Awesome. That's uh, that's it for me. That's uh, all I've been watching. So uh, oh, right, Manny, you, you go on ahead. Yeah. Okay.
0: Sadly, I'm not going to be able to touch that film. <laughs> All right, no, uh, you are not. So the first movie I want to talk about is uh, a movie by the same director who did Sheba Baby. Uh, mm. No, it's not. Uh, it's Leslie Headland, who did a movie I watched recently. Shit. Oh, um, No Strings Attached. No, not No Strings Attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sleeping With Other People. Nice. Um, a movie I really fucking enjoyed. So I wanted to check out some more of her filmography. And this one... Uh, was high on my list because it is a buck 27. Uh, Easy and the walks. movie is called, yep, uh, Bachelorette. Uh, three friends are asked to be bridesmaids at a wedding of a woman they used to ridicule back in high school. Uh, this stars Kirsten Dunst, uh, Isla Fisher, Lizzie Kaplan, and. Why can't I remember her name? I'm looking right at her. Uh, Rebel Wilson.
1: Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Isla, I believe. Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher. Yep. Thank you.
0: Um, this movie started off very bad <laughs> and I was like, oh no, this is not as good as sleeping with other people and then I had a couple moments that were very enjoyable and then throughout the movie, it went up and down Um, and then the movie saved itself right at the end with a spectacle spectacular final scene climactic ending performance from Kristen dunst she fucking saved the movie at the end this movie had the potential to be a really great comedy a really great comedy about these three well these three friends two of them are massive fuck-ups and oh no sorry i'm actually confusing this It was the beginning of the movie where I thought I'm on board for something great because within the first 10 minutes, there is – somewhat of a spoiler. There is a monologue about blowjobs that is fucking hilarious, and then it starts to crumble after that until there's a few moments that are pretty funny, and then it saves itself at the end. I had a pretty good time. It was easy to watch. It was under 90 minutes, so that's that kind of saved it as well. There were parts of the film that definitely didn't work, but there was a lot – not a lot, but there were some that did. It's a movie that really kind of missed an opportunity to have a really great premise about these three friends. Uh, the plot doesn't even really tell what it is, so I'm going to kind of – I'm going to spoil it, but it's it's the premise of the movie. These three friends wreck the wedding dress the night before the wedding, and their adventure through the night is to get the dress fixed. Hmm. That's that's the basically the plot of the movie, and it's enjoyable to see them try to uh, fix it. Uh, there's an actor in here that I think you like is it Adam Scott. Are you a fan yeah. of
1: his? Yeah, I do like Adam Scott. Uh, he's in
0: this, and he is in. Um, sleeping with other people oh yeah he's very different in sleeping with sleeping with other people
1: uh, adam scott uh i first encountered in the movie Step Brothers. he plays the the dickhead brother derek okay of both of them uh but uh the real reason i became a fan of him he, po- he pops up in tv shows every now and again but uh starting i think roughly season three of parks and rec he becomes a recurring character he okay. becomes one of the main cast his character is Ben Wyatt and is probably my favorite character on the show. Okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's an incredibly funny dude. Okay. And he's also in the current show that I'm watching. Uh, more of an intermittent role, but uh, he's in a good place as well.
0: Okay. Uh, he's pretty good at this. Yeah, he's got uh, some pretty good moments. Uh, I would say that this is worth checking out if you're looking for something kind of easy to watch cuz like I said it's under 90 minutes and it's got a couple really enjoyable moments especially basically I'm not spoiling anything the morning of the wedding as the bridesmaids are getting ready this is where Kirsten Dunst fucking takes over and you're just like oh why couldn't it have been this all movie long cuz nice. this is fucking
1: great okay. um yeah it was uh, it was ther-
0: it was thoroughly it was enjoyable I gave it a 3 out of 5
1: Cool. Well, it sounds like it was a bit of a roller coaster, but It uh, was.
0: It w- cuz cool. there's some parts that de- like some comedic moments that do not work and I'm just like ouch, this is not enjoyable. Um Oh, I didn't pull this up. Okay, I'll quickly grab it cuz I said the last minute. I decided so, to watch a movie um I mentioned before that my mom is on Letterbox.
1: Nice. It's been enjoyable watching the mo- seeing the movies that she watches. What's your What's your mom's name? Do we give her a shout out? Oh well, sure. <laughs> Let me find it here. I... I'm gonna open a can of Coke here. Hold on.
0: Yeah,
1: go ahead. Ah, there it is.
0: Uh, she is under her name, Betty Manuel. All right, Betty. She's got five followers. Who the fuck's
1: following her? gotta be your friends right
0: yeah it's me Mushhead, rachel uh i put maya because maya has an account nice uh whose name i will not reveal
1: yeah uh maya and jordan all following my mom jordan follows your mom yep that's funny (laughs) that's funny wonder if i should yeah
0: you might get a kick out of it (laughs) uh i'll
1: be sure to leave really mean comments on her reviews. she's like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) she doesn't write any reviews oh boo yeah i know
0: Uh, But a movie she she watched, uh, she gave it a four. And so I decided it's something I'd wanted to check out. Uh, It's American Underdog. Um, The true story of NFL MVP and Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner, who went from stocking shelves at a supermarket to becoming an American football star. I had heard that this was a very hmm, pro-religious movie. And it is very mm, uh, not very. this definitely steps towards uh, uh faith Faith plays a small but important part in this movie. It is not pushed down your throats, but they do not hide that both that both Kurt Warner and his woman that becomes his wife are um, very much believers in God. And it is their, th- it was their faith in, no, that's not even true. They just make it fairly well known several times that they do believe in God. They don't push Christianity or I don't even know. I'll see. I don't even know if they're Christians. I just know they have faith in God. Yeah. Okay. Definitely not. Definitely not Catholics. <laughs> they, de- they were not Catholics, So it must've been Christians either way. I expected this to kind of be your standard sports biopic it is not this movie is about how kurt went from uh double a college not even triple a double a college uh to eventually making the nfl the part where when he makes the nfl and like wins the super bowl when he makes the nfl this movie is uh, spoilers uh an hour and 52 uh it's probably about the hour 45 minute mark Oh wow. So this movie is all about the incredible journey this man took to try to get to the NFL. He definitely hit um like some very low points in his life, but not what you get from in your standard biopics. It's not that he got hooked up on drugs or anything like that. Just had a rough just had a rough go and things just didn't go his way. And it was a lot better than I was anticipating. I had a pretty good time with this movie and yeah, I, I I found it perfectly enjoyable. Uh, I
1: gave it a three out of five, Hmm. three out of five. Um, I usually say this with biopics. I mean, we've talked about a lot of music biopics in Mm -hmm. particular. Um, what bothers me most about a lot of biopics is the fact that the moral of the story is often, isn't this guy so great? Like, what interests me in, in human stories is flawed people. Like, I think I think having a flawed protagonist is important. Now, I haven't seen this film. I don't know whether that applies here or it doesn't. What I will say is that I'm looking at Kurt Warner's name in the writing credits as well. So that tends to make me wary of films like this when the person or persons whom a film is about are very clo- are very heavily involved in the making of the movie. It tends to be, it tends to be very, uh, let's say, one-sided.
0: Yeah, I can understand. Uh, this is a very light yeah biopic. Yeah, I have no idea how much trouble Kurt Warner got into when he was For sure.
1: Fight. and again, I know I know very little about the man. I've heard no nothing scandalous. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he is a good dude. I can tell you right now.
0: There are aspects of his life that they show in here that you definitely see are true because they they show you footage, real footage after, that I'm like, good for you. Dude, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. A Case point example, this is super shitty of me to admit, but I'm just going to admit it. The woman that becomes his wife, when he meets her, she already has two kids, and her oldest son is blind and uh, had an accident when he was younger, and so – has a learning disability so he is blind and a learning disability and it never trips up kurt at all and the kurt warner has him and his wife have set up this home where people with uh learning disabilities and I, it's such a hard hmm. It's such a hard way to describe his son, who he has adopted, uh, is disability. This, this person doesn't have downs or anything like that. It is not a birth-related. It is an injury-related. I see. Yeah. And so not to diminish those at all, but it is – and I'm pretty sure the boy – I'd have to assume that the boy that played his son in the movie is blind. Yeah. Or if not, it – because when he – Obviously, his son now is in his thirties. So in the movie, the kid is like nine. Uh, if it is not <laughs> a real blind boy, it is the greatest blind performance you've ever seen in your life.
1: No, uh I mean on his Wiki- on his uh, IMDb page. Excuse me, on Hayden Zoller, S- Zoller, Zayler. I don't know. Sure. On on the actor's uh, IMDb page, he is. Uh, he's got his his uh, eyelids are closed, and uh, he's holding a uh, like a. Uh, I'm not sure what, like, a stick, or uh, I'm not sure what you call the devices that you see blind people use. With the a a walking stick? No. Yeah. Not sure. At any rate, it has a name. At any rate, I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure that is the case that he's real life blind person.
0: Um. Anyway, the the story of Kurt Warner. If you're looking for a very easy biopic that's not asking a lot of you, this is a great one to watch. It's super easy. It's super friendly. It doesn't try to delve into any type of controversy even like i don't even know if he had any the biggest controversy in his life is that he refused to give up on his dreams and it really almost completely fucked him and his family (laughs) (laughs) like i they went they they went really fucking low and like kudos to her for sticking it out even though at one point spoiler she tries to get rid of him because she's like you if this is what you want i don't know if we can stick around Hmm. um yeah it was it's perfectly fine a thoroughly enjoyable movie that you will just watch and just like that was nice and probably won't think about again Hmm. yeah
1: all right american underdog
0: yeah which leads into the next biopic i watched
1: and i watched this last night this is napoleon the inspiration for the ridley scott question i presume yes
0: An epic that details the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte and his relentless journey to power through the prism of his addictive, volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine. This was directed by Ridley Scott. One of my, I don't know, could be my top ten directors. Top fifteen for sure. When Ridley Scott makes a good movie, he fucking nails it. There's a lot of movies his that I really like. This is not one of them. But I'm holding off final judgment because I have heard, as he has done with a lot of his movies, there's a four hour cut waiting to come to Apple oh, TV. Oh, no. Now, you say that, but some of his director's cuts I enjoy more than his theatrical, a la Kingdom of Heaven.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I was trying to remember the name of that yeah.
0: one. Kingdom of Heaven, the theatrical cut, I'm sure, it's fine. Director's Cut is a fucking masterpiece. Hmm. It is a old school, epic movie told in absolute brilliance. Kingdom of Heaven is fucking awesome. Napoleon. <clears throat> spoilers for real life. So I'm going to spoil Napoleon.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was real life. This movie had a real problem with tone. A real problem. There are three major battles shown in this movie, and they are fucking exquisite. They are exhilarating to watch, especially, I think it's... Austerland? I can't remember. It's the middle battle uh, where he fights the combined armies of Austria and Russia. It is fucking incredible, the shots that this man gets in that battle. It is beautiful austerlitz austerlitz thank you see i want to make sure because in my mind it was something else Whew. yeah <laughs> there you go
1: yeah i can see why you said Austerland. yeah i'm like i know it's don't not even, that don't even approach that other one <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like i think like what
0: austerlitz yeah. is that, is that austerlitz, right yeah austerlitz <laughs> i i was like 99 percent sure that was right yeah. i was like Too close to the word I don't want to get. Oshville. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is – so those scenes, Sam, were worth the price of admission. Mm. The rest, though, is a complete tonal imbalance. There's a big stretch of this movie that comes across as comedy and farce. And it is a complete departure from the tone of the rest of the movie. And I went and saw it with Mushhead, and she's like, is this supposed to be a comedy? I'm like, I don't think so. The movie itself in the um, plotline tells you here that their focus is the love that he has for his wife, Josephine. And the movie is uh, oftentimes narrated with the love letters that they would send back and forth as he was out on his uh, battles. The problem being is that when the scenes – with Josephine and Napoleon are on screen, they don't appear to have any type of chemistry whatsoever. And while I do agree that they had a volatile relationship, it looks like they didn't care about each other at all. Um, Joaquin performance gives almost no performance. Yeah. It's, and I, I, I listened to a podcast earlier today. They're like, oh, it's one of those non-performance performances. I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. He sure, maybe he decided I'm just going to play Napoleon Bonaparte as this guy, but I got no insight into why he wanted to become and he does, spoiler for real life, becomes the emperor of France. There uh, he doesn't he didn't seem power hungry. I from my understanding, I am not a Napoleon historian, but my understanding is that Napoleon was a diminutive man, and he had a small guy complex. And none of that is touched upon hmm. at
1: all. That was my understanding. Maybe I'm wrong. My, my understanding, I, I don't consider myself an expert at all in this. Uh, the, the English-speaking world's image of Napoleon, to my knowledge, has been shaped a great deal by British propaganda at the time. Uh, for example it is a matter of historical record that Napoleon was five foot two which is quite small uh, but at that time feet and inches weren't standardized and I believe he was a French five foot two which would have been equivalent to about an English 57 which at the time would have actually been average height for for uh, for a fully grown man okay that that is a that is a fact that I heard once and I am relaying that to you off memory so I am very open to the fact that that is either wrong or off by a few inches or simply misreported but i i've always been under the assumption that a number of the things that we hear in the english-speaking world about how napoleon was just a like he had a napoleon complex that's where the term comes from is actually uh based on uh british propaganda okay that that's that's, but i don't know
0: okay that's (laughs) completely fair so like but i also if my like i guess i went in with my own prejudices or uh, preconceived notions of what napoleon was based upon that and you know what
1: all of that notwithstanding like the films if they don't if they don't want to touch on that fine but they should also give you a reason right (laughs) like they should they should either say this guy was a short guy who needed to prove himself and was sick and tired of being made fun of for being short or they should have said Fuck all that. Here's this other really important reason why he was driven to achieve power. Like mm-hmm. they should give you a reason, whether it's the right one or it's not. Right? I just didn't feel it yeah. at all. And like I said, I just feel his performance
0: was lacking. Is it a bad performance? No. I just didn't feel there was anything in it. Like I, I don't think he's sleepwalking through the film or he's bored by it. I just didn't see much characterization. Uh, he didn't seem. Like, even at times when he could have been – there are numerous scenes where he is basically stating facts, but it's coming across like he's not bragging, but he's like, I'm fucking great. Yeah. Like, I defeated these fucking armies. I defeated them. But he, it it doesn't delve into, like, how that what shaped he, him. yeah. It, it's really hard. it's just so hard so i'm i'm really hoping that the director's cut will dive into that more but i don't i don't see how but at the same time but at the same time i remember when i watched kingdom of heaven there's all this stuff going on i'm like what the fuck is he doing that mm-hmm. and then you watch the director's cut which i think add an hour and i'm like oh okay cool now it makes sense so hopefully uh it'll improve um Mushy had a much better time. It's funny. Mushy gave it a three, and I gave, I'm gave i giving it a two. Hmm. Uh, That's too bad. I gave it a two because I have I w- I don't have a desire to watch this again, with the exception of the f- – I want to see this extended cut. I don't want to watch this movie again unless somebody's like, hey, do you want to watch Napoleon with me? I'll be like, sure. I'm like, at least I'll get to watch these three incredible fucking battle scenes, especially the one at sorry, Austerlitz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> careful i'm trying i'm trying uh it's that one alone it, mm, is worth watching it for it's not worth going to the theater for even though seeing it on the big stream was absolutely delightful i i just i i guess i guess when you have ridley scott Directing Joaquin Phoenix, who he directed in *Gladiator* to an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creepy as fuck performance. My opinion, probably his best performance. Yeah. Sorry, Joker fans, I I disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vanessa Kirby, who is an actress I fucking love, uh, as Josephine. I um, I just I just didn't have a good time.
1: You've never seen her, right? No. Hers another really good walking. Spike Jones. Performance. Yeah. 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 I still probably like his uh, *Gladiator* performance better, but her leading role maybe yeah. gets a little bit more consideration so yeah napoleon uh i'll get
0: back to you when i watch the four-hour cut yeah, when please it hits, do when it hits apple tv let me know if it's
1: worth it <laughs> i have apple tv as you, i think you know mm-hmm. yeah because i've been watching a tv show which Ted Lasso. yeah which i'm a pr- i think i watched episode five today i wasn't like of totally season three prepared. yeah I wasn't fully prepared to talk about. I'm waiting until I get to the end, just because I don't think it's interesting to talk about the same show every every fucking week. But I can agree with that. I am uh, I am getting in there. It's getting juicy. Yeah, yeah, it is. I love all. All I'll say is that I love Zava. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zava. <laughs> awesome, he's great. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, the last one I want to talk about is a movie that surprised me. This is a comedy starring Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence. This movie is No Hard Feelings. On the brink of losing her home, Maddie finds an intriguing job listing. Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. This movie is literally a woman who uh, she lives in. And I won't lie. It's one of the reasons I love this movie right at the beginning. It's set in Montauk. Oh. <laughs> Meet me in Montauk. Meet me in Montauk. Nice. Um so she has her family home in Montauk. Uh she is not wealthy. I don't know if you're aw- aware of Montauk. It is a very rich place now. Mm-hmm. All the
1: rich people from New York go up to Montauk for summer. It's sort of like beach property, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so because I also I also learned about it in friends. Oh, sweet. Yeah, oh. In fr- one of the characters I think has a has a beach house or their mom or aunt or something has a beach house in Montauk. Okay. So in uh because all these
0: uh very wealthy people are up there and have great properties and all that property tax has gone up uh, and her family home which she was gifted to from her mother who passed away she can't pay for her property tax and if she doesn't pay it by the end of summer her house will get repossessed so she is uh this isn't spoilers but this is the movie she uh she loses her car at the beginning of the movie and one of the things she does to raise the money is she's an Uber driver for all these rich people summering there. She drives them around, so she needs a car. And the parents of this very introverted boy say if you, and I'm not lying, if you sleep with our son, you will get a car. They they put a job listing that if someone, and they put it in quotes, dates our son, we will give you this car. And so she decides that she will date this 19-year-old boy to try and get this car. I've had a couple of people reach out to me uh, after I gave my review. Spoiler. I gave this a four. Cool. I had a really good fucking time with this movie. Um, they'd be like, well, what if, what if the genders reverse? How gross is that? I'm like, every movie is gross if you reverse the genders. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Most romantic comedies won't work if you reverse the genders. Yeah. So if you don't like the premise, the movie's not for you. So there you go. Don't watch it. Other than that, I don't care. I had a really great fucking time. Jennifer Lawrence is having a lot of fun in this movie, and I just bought into it. This movie is a throwback to the comedies I grew up on. Raunchy, over-the-top, R-rated. Is this R-rated? Yep, fucking. Oh, you know it has to be. There's one scene. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is R-fucking-rated. Uh, besides the language. it. This movie is... I had a really great time because, like I said, this reminded me of the comedies I grew up on in a little bit in the eighties, but mostly nineties. It is not afraid to offend people. It is not afraid, and it makes fun of that. There's a scene. There's a scene where she goes to a uh, pre-college party. Uh, by the way, she's thirty-two mm-hmm. in the movie, and she's dating a nineteen-year-old, but she's pretending that she's twenty-eight. Anyways, fun. She goes in there, and you have all the you know millennial kids the general Zers in there who get offended by everything she does so there's the kind of like the generation gap comedy as well Mm -hmm. which i bought into there there was a joke i'm gonna spoil one joke because it's a minor joke but she's going through the house trying to find somebody so she opens up all these doors in rooms in this big house party nobody's having sex they're all watching tiktok or playing video games like (laughs) is nobody fucking (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah (laughs) i had a i had a really good laugh at that that's really funny um so, I had I had a really great time with this movie. It does some things I didn't expect, and as is as is um, part for the course for a lot of really great romantic comedies and for movies in that self. They'll take a, a pop song and make it integral to the movie, and with this they do it, and they did a good job with it, and I found it quite touching, and that that scene uh, where it it's it's used to its where it's used to its best dramatic effect is where when you have a actress of Jennifer Lawrence's ability because the shot lingers on her um reacting to that song being played and it is i was just looking at it right there i'm like that's what you get when you get an oscar winner mm-hmm. in a romantic comedy mm-hmm. um i completely understand if some people watch this and don't enjoy it, it's comedy. And I know that when it comes to comedy, I seem to be in the minority in what I find funny. And then what a, the majority finds funny, I, see, I, I tend to kind of almost roll my eyes at. So if people watch this and they don't enjoy it as much as I did, I completely understand. Uh, so please take my recommendation of this movie with a grain of salt and know that I tend to not be with the cool kids when it comes to comedy, I guess yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a, what, what's the fucking word I'm looking for. Um, oh, fuck. I, I, am not a hipster when it comes to comedy. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking cool. I'm not cool. Cause I fucking like this movie and you don't. Yeah. I do that with other movies. I'm it's so underground. This... <laughs> yeah. I'm so underground. I like, I like
1: heart. this movie with this obscure actress, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I,
0: I'm so, I'm so underground that I like this studio comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, I can completely understand if people watch this and they don't get the enjoyment I did. Maybe it just hit me at the right time, yeah. but I had a really great time. Easy four out of five for me. This is a movie I f- for sure will be watching a few more times uh, without a doubt. Uh, anytime I want to put on a-, a nice romantic comedy, I'm sure No Hard Feelings will be won when I want something, a l- I shouldn't say nice, a little bit more raunchy.
1: Yeah, um, I've heard a fair amount about this movie. Um, it seems like every time I see somebody talking about it, most of it is pretty lukewarm. Yeah, and I can understand it. I don't think I've actually seen too many people just say like, this movie sucks, uh, which is encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's. I wouldn't, I've been avoiding using the word polarizing because I, I haven't really had, I haven't really seen a lot of outright negative reaction. Mm-hmm. Say most of it that I've seen has been lukewarm lukewarm with a couple people sounding kind of like you like hey this isn't an all-timer but it's definitely definitely enjoyable yeah um so i don't know maybe uh, there's a decent chance i checked this out at some point um, yeah definitely not an all-timer yeah i don't i don't know from my impressions of this uh if it'll if it'll really be my thing but i i might uh i might give it a go what are
0: your thoughts on jennifer lawrence like
1: positive i think she's a very talented um dramatic actress i mean um I just talked about the Hunger Games two I just talked about two movies of the Hunger Games and I don't think I said her name once so I don't think she's the best part of those movies even though she's a lead.
0: Okay, what are your thoughts on Jennifer Lawrence the
1: personality, the person we see on talk shows? Uh I I like her. It seems like the internet kind of turned on Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. It feels like the internet kind of doesn't like Like, oh, she thinks she's so quirky. I don't think she thinks she's anything. Like, she strikes me as somebody very authentic. I could be wrong about that. Maybe she's totally, maybe her personality is completely thought out and fabricated and branded. But to me, she just strikes me as kind of a fucking goofball who likes being herself and likes goofing around.
0: I agree. That's the the impersonation. That's the impression I get from her as well from all of her interviews. She's just like, she doesn't put on a show. She doesn't, she gives sound bites in the fact that she's just kind of speaking what she feels like speaking. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's the kind of person who is not really wanting to play the game. Yeah. She
1: just wants to have fun, act, and just be herself. Probably just says something about Hollywood and societal expectation of actresses. Because, mm-hmm. I mean,. Like Brie Larson also comes to mind as like the opposite of Jennifer Lawrence, yes. where she's like kind of a little bit uh, like I don't mean to sound negative. Here. She's a little bit on the colder side. She's not like the warm, open personality that Jennifer Lawrence is. And people hate her for also not playing the game. Like you're supposed to sit in the chair and smile and say nice things about your movie and about your co-stars. But people also don't like Jennifer Lawrence, who like is also just being herself. So I don't know. Feels like those feel like two opposite sides of the same coin to me.
0: Funny how we're only talking about women that
1: way. Yeah. (laughs) You don't hear anybody talk about men that way. Yeah. God, don't you hate how charming and funny and goofy Ryan Gosling is? Yeah. you hate that guy? Don't you hate how incredibly (laughs) engaging Brad Pitt is in interviews? God, fuck that dude.
0: Fuck that guy. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's totally true. Society sucks.
1: Yeah. I don't...
0: Honestly, Sam, I actually don't know if you would like this movie or not.
1: So... If I was to guess, I like... I don't like going into movies thinking this way where I'm like, I think I'm going to give this a three, but honestly it just strikes me as a three, a movie I would probably enjoy,
0: but then forget about. I think a hundred percent you give this three. If you gave this a four, I'd be so excited, but I I think this is probably a three for you. Uh, So that wraps up what we've been watching. That wraps up uh, this week's real talk. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it does increase the profile of our podcast. allows more people to find us. You can also give us a rating on Spotify, which we greatly appreciate. You can follow us on Instagram and threads, which I keep forgetting to post on. What a shocker. Uh, on Sam, underscore Manny, underscore movie. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We didn't hear from Francis this week, buddy. Sorry. Ah, I know. Boo. I know. Damn it. Yeah. Our <laughs> effect on the powerlifting community is diminishing. It really has. It really has. <laughs> We should have called this powerlifting powerlifting presentation. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Did I forget anything? You can follow us on Letterboxd at uh, Manny42 and Sam Reiner and and follow my mom, Betty Manuel. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I think I did notice, I think when Rachel told me that she started following, I'm like, hey, mom, my friends follow you. She's like, they do? How do I know that? (laughs) That's funny. Adorable. Okay. Uh, For real talk. And the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast.
1: I'm Manny Manuel Stay tuned. Thursday, December 7th, we're going to be talking about The Lost World Jurassic Park. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!